And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. Today, you will see that the very first verses of the book of Romans make reference to the gospel. To understand the gospel, we begin by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. This sermon compares the gospel to a house. And now with his message for today, Pastor Robert Elliott. The good news, the gospel news, is that Christ died for sins and arose. Will you notice, please, that both Christ's death and Christ's resurrection were predicted by the Old Testament scriptures. See it there? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, skipping down, and that he was buried and raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Oh yes, Jesus Christ, Messiah's death, was predicted by multiple Old Testament prophecies, as was his bodily resurrection from the dead, predicted by the Old Testament prophecies. Will you notice that the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that the gospel, to be complete, is the good news that Christ died for sins, but also the good news that he arose. We must include both as we herald the gospel that we're not ashamed of. That Jesus Christ has died for sins, but also that Jesus Christ has arisen from the dead. And so we see that the gospel, the death of Messiah predicted by the Old Testament, the resurrection of Messiah predicted by the Old Testament. But then there's some proofs in this definition of 1 Corinthians 15. Some proofs that Jesus actually died for our sins and some proofs that Jesus actually bodily raised from the dead. After the question and answer session last Sunday night, a dear brother came up to me and he's witnessing to a person who's in really into a kissing cousin of Buddhism. Our believing brother has a friend who is into the kissing cousin of Buddhism. And this kissing cousin of Buddhism person said to our believer from this fellowship, you know, Jesus Christ didn't really die. That was myth. Looked like he died, but he was resuscitated and then he went on to India to live in India until he died. No, no, no. Jesus Christ died, and there's proof. For I delivered to you of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried. The Roman soldiers in the Roman Empire oversaw the crucifixions of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. They knew when a victim on a cross was really dead. And don't you think that when the authorities in the Roman Empire have basically said, this troublemaker, Jesus of Nazareth, you be sure he's executed. You can be sure that that was their orders, as was their orders to guard his tomb, to lay a cord of Rome, a seal, into molten wax at first that hardened and put that around the seam of the stone of the uh, tomb of Jesus Christ so that it would not be broken or tampered with. No one would steal the body. Those Roman soldiers, if they allowed Jesus Christ's body to be stolen and to perpetrate a hoax that he really rose from the dead, they would have been killed. And actually they were killed when he rose bodily from the dead under the miraculous power of the Father. And so the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. They buried him because they knew he was dead. 
and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared. The proof that Jesus Christ was bodily resurrected from the dead was that he appeared to two individuals at a time, to roughly 10 individuals next, and then to over 500 people at once. They saw him alive after they saw him die. This is the gospel. This is the gospel of which Paul states in the key verses of Romans 1, 16 and 17, this is the gospel of which Paul was not ashamed. May we never be ashamed of this gospel. The key verse Rene Burroughs has beautifully put on our bulletin board for the next several months. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who will believe. And so it is this gospel which at the same time reveals God's righteousness, but it also imparts God's righteousness to believing sinners. It is this magnificent gospel which can only be received and appropriated and activated by faith in Christ's person and Christ's work. That's what it means. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed, watch now, from faith to faith. This is saying that this gospel which can be received and this gospel which can be Appropriated, and this gospel which can be activated to change and revolutionize and transform our believing lives is through faith in Christ's person and work. Remember I said that the metaphor or the word picture we could use that the foundation of a house is God's righteousness. And salvation is this house that is built on God's righteousness. And all over this house of salvation is written the precious name, the gospel. And so as we go back to that word picture of the house, we see in Romans 1, 16 and 17, that God's salvation is like a lovely house, big enough for believing Jews to live in, big enough for believing Gentiles to live in. It's even big enough for everyone to believe in. And in this lovely large house called Salvation with gospel written all over it, it sits securely on the sure foundation of God's righteousness. This foundation is not compromised. This foundation is not cracked or faulty. This foundation is undiluted and undiminished. Nothing was given up by the foundation in order to build the big, lovely house of salvation upon it. There is only one door into this big, lovely house of salvation. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And all who enter this house will enter through him. His person, his work, make for a perfectly suitable door into the big and lovely house of salvation with gospel written all over it. And the person, any person, who walks through this door does so by faith, trust. But not faith in faith, not trust in trust, but as Brother Anthon mentioned in the song time, Faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to bring us safely from reprobate sin to righteous obedience to God. To bring us safely from this earth with all of its flaws and sin curse to a beautiful paradise we call heaven. Yes, this salvation could be compared to a lovely large house. 
with one door into this house, the Lord Jesus Christ, person and work, and the person walks into this house of salvation by placing their full, complete trust onto the person and the work of the Lord Jesus, the door. In this house, there are no windows ajar or in disrepair. No one can climb through any window at night. And there are no other doors into this house. No side door, no back door, just one door, Jesus. And that's why Romans 1, 16 and 17, again, the key verses of the book, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. What a Savior, and how great a salvation. This metaphor, this word picture of a house, this house has a welcome sign. Actually, it has more than one welcome sign, but it reads the gospel. If you look at this house as a mailman, the name on the mailbox of the house is the gospel. If you look at this house as a foundation inspector, a building inspector, the name on the foundation is the righteousness of God. If you look at this house as a property tax assessor, the name on the walls and on the roof and on the deed of this house, the name is the gospel. And if you look at the front door, the only door of the house, right by the doorbell, you'll read the name, the gospel. This house is all about the gospel. That's why churches that have abandoned the gospel have abandoned the heart and the horizon of God. They may grow like Joel Osteen's church is growing in states. But when you abandon the gospel, God's blessing is not upon a local church. Judgment someday. May they repent. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we want to continue to talk about through the fire, friendships and relationships. And I want us to think about uh, a friendship that we can think of that, you know what? It needs repairing. Or it's a friendship that people are there for us, no matter what. And we want to look at a story in the Bible from Ruth. And Ruth is a book, of course, by the name of the book, it's, it's about a woman named Ruth. But we want to start talking about a woman named Naomi. And as we consider this, we, we see how Ruth was loyal to Naomi no matter what. When everyone else was ready to leave and, and they left her, Ruth was there. It was a friendship that was like no other. A friend that stuck there no matter what. And if you think of Ruth chapter 1, it says that during the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech. And his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephraites from Bethlehem and Judah. They entered the fields of Moab and sailed there. Naomi's son Elimelech died, and she, left, she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives. One named Opper, and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two children and without a husband. 
you see, we, we have the story here, and we see Naomi has two sons and a husband, and, and we see how things change dramatically. They're going through a famine. They, they've left where they were from, and now she has lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. She's basically lost the, the people that was closest to her. And when I consider this, and, and, and this is when we think of, of our life and we think of people around us, we realize that there are people who we really need to surround ourselves with when we go through tough times. You know, we have people in our lives who, who we want them there with us all the time. We want people to be there for us, especially when things get tough and things are, are, are we going through the tough times of life. We need people who are going to be loyal. People are going to be there for us. And we see here as Naomi, basically, she's left with, with everyone is gone. Everyone has passed away. But she has her two daughter-in-laws. And this is what, how she continues in verse 6. She and her daughters-in-law set out to return from the territory of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people need by providing them food. She left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. Naomi said to them, Each of you can go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of the new husband. She kissed them, and they wept loudly. They said to her, We insist on returning with you to your people. Let me stop there. Here it is, Naomi saying, Look, you women, you need to go. You can go back because you're still young. Hopefully you can still find a husband. Hopefully you can still enjoy life. You know, this is my problem. This is what I'm going through. These are my two sons. This is my husband who passed away. You know, go back to where, you know, you're from. And we see that they, right now in verse 10, they're insisting on saying, you know what? We're there. You know, we're there for you. We'll be there with you. Uh, you know, we're not going back. You know, we're going to be there with you. But then verse 11, it changes. But Naomi replied again, Return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? No, my daughters. My life is much too bitter for you to share because the Lord's hand has turned against me. We see here, as, as we think of verse 13, she's talking about how she's bitter. She's angry. You know, things are going on in her life. And, and in, the reality is that a bitter person, you know, they're hard to be around. They're hard because they're so mad at everyone and everything, their circumstances that they don't even see clearly. And it would be easy for Ruth and Opera to really just, you know, go off and start life again. Going back to verse 14. Again, they wept loudly, and Opera kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. So we see Opera is given the opportunity, and she's taking it. She's gone. You know, here it is. You know, Naomi's even saying, Ruth, you know, why are you staying here? What's here for you? you you've already, you know, your, your other sister-in-law is gone. Just, just go. But Ruth wants to be there. Ruth wants to be there in this tough time. Ruth wants to be there for someone. And when we consider people who are listening to this broadcast, you know, you may be going through plain things in life. You may be a person that struggles with depression. 
You may be a person that struggled with a death in your family. You may be a person who has struggled with so much, even mental issues. And here it is that you've allowed bitterness and, and, and things that have come up and, and you, you even have hated God in certain situations. You know, for me, as, as I consider my life, uh, one of the toughest times for my life was uh, when I found out my wife and I couldn't have children. And I, and I knew that there were people who were not living for the Lord, who were having children. Uh, there are people, even as, a, as I'm, I'm a youth pastor, there are people, even uh, teenagers in my youth group having children. And it really made me sad. And it really made me upset. Like, And asking God, God, why is this happening to me? Why would you allow people that aren't following after you to, you know, have children? But yet we're in your ministry, we're in, we're doing this, and yet you have put us in these circumstances. And, you know, I was a, a person that was very upset, and I didn't know how to, to, to really deal with it. But I could tell you this, that I would not have been able to deal with it if it wasn't people in my life that were there for me. People that guided me during that, that tough time in my life. People that were there for me and said, you know what, you, you can't get mad at God at this. You know, you could be upset, but God has a purpose for that. God has a purpose for everything. And today, as I consider my life and, you know, my wife and I have, have been able to um, adopt a beautiful uh, baby. Uh, she's now eight. And I wouldn't trade my daughter Mercy for anything in the world. Because I don't look at her any different. I, you know, I, I love her and, and I know that she's there for, you know, she, that's the gift that God had for us. And if, and if I allowed myself to stay in that, that situation to be bitter and, and to be angry, I would not see who God had for us. And I think that, you know, it's so easy to look at the circumstances. But I do thank God that he surrounded me with people that were there for me, friendships that I could count on. And we talked about how, you know, going through the fire last week, how basically it, it helps. But we also need to know in the fire, our friendships can heal us. They can be there. People can be there for us and help us to help us through different times and trials that we go through. And again, I want to challenge you as you consider this, and we're going to pick up this the next time we consider. But I want to ask you, do you have someone like Ruth in your life? Someone that is there for you no matter what? Someone that is there for you? That even when that person is pushing you away, they still want to be there for you? Because the reality is that when we go through tough times, we try to push people away. But then we have people who are there for us no matter what. And I would challenge you to find someone like Ruth. Find someone that wants to be there. Someone who's there no matter what. Because I think that when we consider the friendship of Ruth and Naomi, we see a friendship that helped with healing during this time. This is Pastor Nicholas, the Midnight Edition of Utah. And now, today's personal God story. This morning, pleased to have Errol Farkasson, a friend and a dear brother in the Lord, one of the serving pastors at Calvary Bible Church in the studio. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Rob. Thank you for having me. Thank you, and good morning, Bahamas. Yes, I have invited you this morning to give a bit of your God story. And uh, I know that it will be of great interest uh, to all who are listening. You know, thank you very much, uh, Pastor Rob. Yeah, and I'm, I think this is an opportunity that we should always take advantage of as believers to be able to share 
how we can't come to faith and, and to let others know, you know, what our journey was like uh, coming to, the, to know the Lord as our Savior. Because, you know, people may think it, sometimes it may be a, a big or a vibrant thing, but sometimes it's sometimes it's quiet and, 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 and sincere. So, yes. yeah, it's, it's great to be able to share that. And I appreciate this opportunity to do so. Um, so going back a little bit to my early days, I grew up in a, in a relatively large family, I would say. I had eight, eight siblings, eight children mm-hmm. uh, that we grew up in my, my parents' home. And we grew up in a Baptist uh, church environment. Um, this is uh, the New Bethlehem Baptist Church, which is still uh, on the Independence Highway today. And um, my parents are still actually worshiping there. They, uh, my dad is a, a reverend there, and my mother is a minister there as well. Uh-huh. So we grew up uh, in, in, in a home where my mother was a strong Christian from the time that I know myself. She always was, always prayed for us, always led our Bible studies as a family, and always encouraged us to read the Bible, go to church, and, and to really, you know, have a true relationship with God. And so I had grown up in that environment for some time. And my first real recollection of saying that, you know, I, I placed my faith in Christ came at a time when I was in high school. I attended the St. Anne's High School, uh, which is still here. And what it was, uh, Denise Williams, who was a gospel recording artist, and she was visiting the Bahamas at the time and going to different schools and holding concerts. And she had come to our school this one particular time, and she was doing a concert. We were in the hall, and and she did a great performance and and shared the gospel. And at the end of it, she invited you know any of the kids who felt that they would like to make a profession of faith to come forward. And 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 I did at that particular time. Mm-hmm. And and to me, that was when I can really truly say that I, I really put my faith in in God to you know to take care of me. So. From the time that was my last year in high school, and and from then until now, God has been faithful. Um, you know, the journey has always been—it's not always been rosy. You yes, know? yes. Uh, our, our Christian journey is that where you know sometimes we have challenges, we have difficulties, but we know that God is always with us, and He sends these things to us to help us to grow. So I appreciate everything. My life has been uh, such a, a a learning experience that I have come along the way. And since I've started coming to Calvary Bible Church, first with Pastor Lee and now with yourself, I've continued to grow in the Word and, and understanding and knowledge of God's Word under your ministry as well. And I do appreciate that and uh, where Thank God you. has brought us and, and has brought me to the point where I'm now able to serve in, in the office of a pastor. And, and um, if I had someone had told me that this is where I would be, but maybe 20 years ago, I, you know, I would say, no, no way, man, that's not something that I would do. I mean, I, I, you know, I was always afraid of public speaking and always afraid of uh, interacting with others. But it, after I placed my faith in God and I said, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, um, lead me and give me the strength and the courage to do it. And through his grace, here I am today, um, only through the blessings of God. And I appreciate that. Well, you and your wife, Tracy, and your boys are such a delight uh, to all of us. And uh, thank you for sharing what the Lord means to you, how you came to trust Christ alone for your salvation. And and for the listener out there this morning who may wonder if God can do anything with him or with her, that, you know, your own story is that God brought you out of being a shy person and a a fearful to speak person. And I can assure you that God has made you articulate and you have those interpersonal 
people skills that only God can really give. Exactly. So uh, it's an encouragement to me to work with you and serve Christ with you. And let me just pray uh, for the listener out there who may be wondering if God could possibly use them. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that with your calling always comes your enabling. We thank you that you're calling listeners to stop trusting themselves or religion to come into a Christ alone faith for the forgiveness of sins and heaven one day. And Lord, when a listener makes that transference of trust over to Christ only, we know that you endow them with spiritual gifts and you give them the permanent gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And I pray this morning for the person listening who may know Christ as Savior and they just don't know if they can overcome certain things that they are not proud of or that they are um, fixated on that would hinder them uh, serving the Lord. I pray that they would this morning say, Lord, use me. If you can use me, please use me. Help me to be other than I might be without you. Help me to be able to do the things you've called me to do. And may that listener pray further, Lord, I'm available to you. I want to do what you want me to do. I know that's where I'll be fulfilled. That's where you will get glory. So I make myself available for your service. I thank you for Brother Errol, Pastor Errol, and how he has been able to testify that you have been more than enough for the ways that you have wanted to use him, the ways you are using him, and the ways you plan to use him. Please bless he and his family in his ministry in the business community as well as in Calvary Bible Church. And we pray this with thanksgiving always in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.